take a deep breath. And I actually notice myself, I'm closing the laptop. I'm done for the day. And learning sort of those, some containment tools, which I share a lot with my clients too, and be like, this is done for the day. Now it's time to switch my work hat off and put my mom hat on or my partner hat on or whatever it hat it is I'm wearing. And it takes a lot of practice. Welcome back to another episode of the All Figured Out Podcast. I am your host, Andrea Barr, and thank you so much for joining me this week. For those of you who are new here, it is so great to have you, and what an episode you have chosen to join in for. Today, we have a really, really wonderful guest. Uh, Her name is Lauren Champion. She is a registered clinical counselor here in British Columbia. Fun fact, she's actually my neighbor. She lives just up the street. And if you want to check out the incredibly long list of her credentials, check out the link in my uh, in the show notes that is attached to wherever you're listening to this. I have a blog post that goes along with almost every single episode in the show. And in that blog post, I recap the episode, some of the key takeaways. And in there, you will see Lauren's full bio, which is so full of credentials. She really knows her stuff. She actually started her career out working with at-risk youth before she went back to graduate school to become credentialed as a registered counselor. She has special training in the perinatal space as well, and she works with um, with women who are you know about to be pregnant, who've experienced loss, who are pregnant, who are postpartum, just moms in general, and she is absolutely wonderful. She is super approachable. She's caring. She's very down to earth and she's the mom of two boys herself. So she just gets it. And in this episode, Lauren shares about some very, very simple ways to approach your own mental health. And she talks about both preventative and also intervention-based methods that you can do to take control back of your mental health. We also talk about, of course, what to do if you feel like you are you know, really needing some support from a professional and how to go about finding the right person. And uh, she really talks about, um, love this part of the episode where she really talks about some very cool exercises on what to do if you feel like you're about to lose your cool. Um, There's one that like includes doing this like funky thing with your hand. It's really cool. Listen, it's, um, I mean, you've never lost your cool with your kids, right? No, no, I didn't think so. We even talk about Lauren's career pivot and her journey to going back to school to become a counselor with a small baby at home. I also really encourage you to just share this episode with a friend who you think is maybe needing a bit of support. They might be new in the parenting world. They might just be entering it. They might be in the throes of baby land, or they might just be trying to figure out how to get back to themselves and get back their mental health now that they're a parent. Could even be a parent for 20 years. Doesn't matter. Share this with a friend. I'd so appreciate it if you did. And I really want to just continue to talk about mental health and especially in this space. And I also want to encourage any of you listening who feel like you need support, do it. If you feel like you've been humming and hawing over reaching out and getting some therapy, some counseling support, speaking with a social worker, whomever, do it. If you're thinking about it, do it. I have had therapy throughout my life in various stages and phases, and it is the most empowering thing that you can do for yourself. And I think that now that you've become a parent, it is mandatory. It is so important to not just brush off things like your own mental health if you want to be there and show up for the people in your life. So 
do it. Go find support. If cost is a barrier, do some Googling and find resources in your area that are available. There are so many people in the world like Lauren who want and are willing and are there to help you. So go find some resources that could allow you to take your mental health back into your own hands. Okay, I'll stop. I'll get off my soapbox. I just think it's so important. I'm so passionate about this topic. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Lauren. I know you're going to enjoy it. You're listening to the All Figured Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. As a career coach for parents, a mom, an entrepreneur, and someone who spent 10 plus years in the corporate world, I still don't have it all figured out. And maybe you don't either. In this podcast, I'll share tools and strategies that I use with my clients. And in the many areas where I don't have things figured out, I'll be bringing you some amazing guest experts to help us fill in the gaps. So tune in each week as we explore how to make career and life decisions that truly work for you, your family, and your big goals. Let's make moves. Lauren Champion, thank you so much for joining me on the All Figured Out podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you here. You are my neighbor. I know, Andrea. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. Yes, we are like a stone's throw away around the corner, down the street. <laughs> it's still, and still it's easier to record on Zoom too, which is so funny. <laughs> One day we'll do in person. Yes, yes. But like we got stuff to do, you know, like we probably come in and going from uh, counseling sessions, which great segue. You are a mom of two young, beautiful boys. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. They're gorgeous. You. you are a registered clinical counselor and take me back. I want to know what was your career path that took you into the counseling world, which we will be getting into a lot more down the line as well. Absolutely. Okay. Well, first I would just like to acknowledge that I live, I work, I play, and I raise my beautiful kiddos on the traditional territories of the Musqueam and Squamish and specifically Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Woo-hoo, okay. Slay with tooth. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Back up. How far do we back up here? Yeah. All honestly, all growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I had a passion for animals. I thought that's what I was going to do. Fast forward to grade eleven and twelve. Um, doing all the science prereqs, failed miserably. I science was <laughs> not my forte. And I was left in grade 12, not knowing what to do. Um, So I had a really great role model of mine suggest going and doing some humanitarian work. So I went overseas for when I was 18, freshly graduated to Australia. And then I went to um, East Timor and Indonesia and worked with a lot of um, youth there. Um, And I doing, you know, groundwork with them, helping them, being with them, giving them food, just connecting with them. And it was there that I realized, okay, working with people is really my calling and what I wanted to do. So when I came back to Canada, I completed my undergrad in child and youth care through UVet. Along those lines, I worked with um, different programs with North Shore Neighborhood House quite a bit, working with kiddos with developmental delays um, and at-risk youth. And then I transitioned into the school system for gosh, almost 10 years where I started as an education assistant, then a behavior support worker, and then landed on a youth engagement worker for quite a few years. And I loved it. I loved working with the at-risk youth, struggling with anxiety, depression, relationship, just, um, you know, that teenage years, adolescent years trying to navigate their life. Um, I really enjoyed doing that. But I also knew that I wanted to go on and do my master's. I knew that there was something more um more to do. So that's when I went and I completed my uh, master's of arts in counseling psychology. 
Now, sort of to get to where my, you know, I specialize in perinatal mental health. So this is kind of where the two worlds of my personal life and uh, my education sort of collided. I had this brilliant idea that as I was doing my master's, I would become a mom. So I was very fortunate that, you know, I, be, I became a mom fa- fairly quickly and had these ex- unrealistic expectations of, oh, when I'm on mat leave, like I've got so much time. I'll just, you know, study here, write some papers there. Like all they do is sleep for first year, right? Well, I was really wrong. Um, and I was kind of thrown into this world of becoming a mom. Like I said, unrealistic expectations of what it would be like. I'm struggling a lot with my anxieties really coming to light as somebody who is have had anxiety growing up really when I became a mom they were they were heightened and naturally so under more stress hormone changes just again everything changes so much when we become a mom we go through what's called matrescence and basically it's this transformation physically emotionally spiritually economically that we go through and it doesn't have to just be a you know carrying our child biologically to go through this transformation adoption surrogacy there's many different ways we can become a mom but it was really that transition that I loved and it was wonderful and magical and it was hard and it was scary. And it was this world of, can two things be true for me? Am I a bad mom for, you know, struggling at times or worrying excessively and really enjoying it's, it's, it's a really weird paradox that we go through when we become a parent. Hey, like this, mm-hmm. both things in our world coming true. And then um, you're, and then you're feeling badly for being anxious because then people are like, well, the baby can feel the anxiety and you're like, oh, I can't win. You're like, I give up. Right. You give up. Those per- no, absolutely. All those peripheral opinions that we go through when we become a parent, like there's so much. And I was very fortunate. I have a really hands-on wonderful partner and really supportive family. I am very fortunate. I truly have that village around me, which a lot of people don't, which is, you know, really unfortunate. It's kind of, again, where the work that I do, we'll, we'll talk about a bit. So yeah, back to sort of that transition, becoming a mom. I um, became a mom. I had two little kiddos, completed my master's, was figuring out the whole time I figured I'd get back into working with youth. Because again, that was what I was comfortable doing. I was familiar with it. I loved it. Then I started to really think about, hmm, what was my transition like becoming a mom? Is there a world of counseling this this type of demographic? I had no idea that there was, but there are people that specialize in perinatal mental health, um, reproductive mental health, um, maternal mental health, kind of whatever you want to call it. And I started really doing my own research and taking my own courses, um, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, grief and loss, just that transition to motherhood and educating myself on how I could go and support others in this journey. So that's really how I got to here is just my own journey and sort of those worlds colliding and like I wish I had gotten the support that I needed and that I deserved. Again, it was a fairly smooth transition, but there were of course times where it would have been great to have somebody help me with how do I regulate myself when I'm so dysregulated from the clutter, the sounds, the the feeding schedule, the sleep schedule, all the things that were kind of throw out as a new parent. Um, so yeah, my journey becoming mom was really the catalyst for me getting to this area that I specialize in. Oh, it's so, it's so important. And I know you said it exists. I would say, Lauren, it's, it's a little hard to find. And I think it's what's different about just a, you know, a generic counselor who doesn't have a niche, doesn't specialize in anything is that you're kind of like, but do you get it? And what's so interesting is I don't, I, you know, when I went back to school for coaching and I did, you know, post-secondary education for it so that I could really, you know, 
know my boundaries and limits as a coach. Right. I understand like, you know, counseling even more so, even more regulated. Um, and and though in these programs we learn you can coach or you can counsel anybody, um, like as long as you have the skills, as long as you're operating within your boundaries. I don't, I want to hear your opinion. Like, I think that there's something about matrescence and going through it yourself that you can't teach. And I personally, right. as someone who is in just out of my fourth trimester, like I do want somebody who understands it because even though you could be the best counselor in the entire world, if you haven't gone through it yourself, I just don't know that you could be like the best counselor for mm -hmm. me. What do you think about that? You know, I, I would agree with you. I think one of the things I say to a lot of my clients coming in is there is this beautiful relatability piece. Now, I absolutely understand your walk and my walk are uniquely different as they should be. Mm -hmm. But there are some pieces that overlap. Maybe I have an understanding of the sleepless nights, the, mm -hmm. the, you know, the postpartum anxiety. Again, recognizing, yeah, what you've gone through is different than I've gone through. And that's okay. That's how it should be. And there's some similarities. And I think that relatability piece is really what people are looking for. I think in certain areas of counseling, yeah, maybe we don't have to have been through that exact totally. thing to support totally. somebody and that's okay. But I would, yeah, I would probably more agree with it inside of, you know, if I was wanting to some support going through becoming a mom, becoming a parent through this journey, I know I would most likely be reaching out to a, a registered clinical counselor who, or, you know, registered social worker who has um, training in this area, yes. of course, because that's really important, um, who has specific, you know, education in the perinatal mental health field. And yes, that they, they are parent too. I think there's some beautiful relatability piece. Again, for some people, it doesn't matter, you know, going yep. in for everybody. Me yep. personally, it, it would. And I yeah. think clients yeah. recognize that that is that relatability piece is important to them as well. Mm -hmm. We get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. And I like that you touched on like the, I think just if we were to do a little PSA, I am such a believer in counseling and the work that you do and social work and these registered. And I kind of get on my soapbox a lot about this, but like people who are trained in this space, that's not me. Yeah. That is not me. If somebody comes to me, somebody comes to me when they're like, through it and they've done the work and they're like, okay, I want to take my, my career to the next level. And it's, right. it's so different. But like for you, the work that you do, you are a registered clinical counselor. I know it, it looks and sounds different in different countries. So just another reminder mm -hmm. for everybody to like, do your research on who it is that you're working with, because you're vulnerable. Like we are, we are, we're not fragile. We're so strong, but we're vulnerable in this space, the perinatal space. Absolutely. I'm in it because I'm in it. And I'm like, I'm fragile. Like I, I'm a bit vulnerable. <laughs> I, hey, I'm still there. My kid's only three and five. I'm still there. Well, absolutely. And I think it's, um, yeah, that, that, you know, important, that's an important piece too. just sort of that, that you are seeing somebody who has, who is registered. And like you were sort of saying, um, it is different regulations across even provincial wide mm -hmm. in Canada. Mm -hmm. I'm only registered in British Columbia to see people in BC. Um, each province has different regulations. It's a big ordeal, but just, you know, make sure you, yeah depending on what province you're in, you're with somebody in your regulated body. Yeah. A bit confusing, but it's yeah. somewhat easy to find out. Okay. Switching gears a bit. Uh, I always love asking people just like people like yourself who are both telling their career story and coming on as a guest expert. So you can be, you're going to yeah. be educating us on a lot of things to do in the perinatal space, but um, people listening might be exploring a career change themselves. And you went through quite a career change, kind of in the really, really adjacent, but tell me what is it right. like 
to be a counselor? What does that career look like? How would you kind of describe, you know, day in the life of a counselor and maybe the process to get there? Yeah, well, I love it. I'm, I feel very fortunate and privileged to be in the position I'm in, especially working in this perinatal field. I am often one of the first few to find out that somebody is pregnant. I'm one of the first few to hear about grief and loss. I'm, you know, there's lots of moments where we laugh together and we cry together. I'm really welcomed into somebody's very personal home, which is it's, and without really knowing them on that personal level, it's, it's, it's a strange thing, but it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, you know, making and um, becoming creating a relationship with these people is really important in that therapeutic way. Of course, there's boundaries there as well, but it's, it's really, really beautiful to support somebody in their most vulnerable moments. Um, It's, it was not an easy path to get here. It's a lot of schooling and education as well. A lot of sleepless nights, a lot of papers, a lot of reading, Um, Mm. but it's all important. It's all necessary to get to, to hear where I am today. Um, yeah, it was something that I, like I sort of said, it's always sort of been in the peripheral. This is sort of the path I wanted to take. And I'm really glad I didn't. I wouldn't change my career for anything. It's, um, you know, I think the thing is, too, as I'm sure you would agree with, is we're always learning whatever career we're in. There's always new information coming mm-hmm. in. And yeah, maybe the perinatal field is really my passion now. 10, 15 years down the road. I, I don't know. Who knows where it'll be? Menopause. But we're always learning. Right. you'll be the menopause Absolutely. coach or counselor um, sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's it's um it's just it's it's an honor to be in this field that I work in and I say that wholeheartedly and I know it's so cheesy no but it it's not it's not I can see it I can see it in your face and in your voice mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure everyone can kind of hear it because you're not you're not beating around the bush and you're not it does not sound like you're being fluffy and saying that like and the path and the steps I think it's a great point about like you having had a going through a career first and being getting even more clear on, okay, counseling is the thing for me. And then Mm -hmm. yes, having to write all the papers, read all the textbooks probably felt hard, but also you knew what the goal was in the end versus Mm -hmm. when we go to, you know, you know, for those of us who go to university at the ripe age of 18 or 17 and you're like, I don't know. Ah, I don't even know why I'm reading this textbook right now. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take back my university experience because I think it gave me personally so much, but um, I can only imagine going back to school when you're so much more clear on like what the outcome is and what you want to do with it Absolutely, can make it feel more. I even look at like my, just my drive from my undergrad to my master's. Cause even in my undergrad, I was like, okay, great. Like, you know, I was really great at procrastinating, really great. It would be like midnight setting the papers in. Whereas when I switched to my master's, it was more like, this is, yeah, I'm paying a lot of money, first of all, but this is really the goal. This is what I want to do. And there's more of an interest there. Um, I think there's a bit more flexibility in what you're learning. You know, even in certain courses, it's like, okay, write a paper on whatever mental health struggle you want to learn about. So we had that freedom to just go and do whatever it is we'd want to write about. So I think there's that, that piece to it too. Like you sort of said that more drive and more motivation to actually be there mm-hmm. rather than, and, and some people have really motivated in their undergrad. Absolutely. I just know for myself, there was definitely more motivation yeah. in my math. Yeah, totally. I was also limited with like, I was doing a lot of it when my oldest son was sleeping and I was like, okay, trying to get out papers during that 45 minute nap or whatever it was. So, uh, there's been more of a, a time crunch there in that sense. Oh my it's... goodness. I, you know what? I found that with um going back to like my coaching certificate was like technically grad school or whatever. And going back, it was so interesting 
in a population catered to those who have already gone to university and who are coming back in that graduate mm-hmm. level. It was so interesting for them to be like, you're adults, you do you. Like, if you're not going to do the reading, don't do the reading. And like, Absolutely. this, you're like, you're going to get out what you put in, which I felt like that actually was more motivating to me because I was like, oh, wow. And, and I was paying for like, you know, you're paying good money and you're spending like time that you don't have and all that. So that's, yeah, it's so interesting to kind of hear about that. One question I'd have to ask is how do you maintain your own boundaries so that you don't let, you know, the work and the stories and the, you know, the trauma and the things that your clients feel, how do you not let that, how do you ensure that you're not letting that infiltrate Mm -hmm. into, you know, yourself and that energy? That's a good question because it's hard. There are days where it's very heavy things I'm, I'm helping people through. And there's days that are lighter as well. There's a couple of things. I think there's a lot of my own self-care, which we can definitely segue to in a second. But it's even just I've learned little tools that I share with my clients about symbolic things. Like at the end of my day, I bring myself just to my awareness, take a deep breath, and I actually notice myself I'm closing the laptop. I'm done for the day and learning sort of those, some containment tools, which I share a lot with my clients too, and be like, this is done for the day. Now it's time to switch my work hat off and put my mom hat on or my partner hat on or whatever hat it is I'm wearing. And it takes a lot of practice. And if there are some heavier days, it's giving myself a bit more compassion. Maybe it's taking a bit more of a pause before I go pick up my boys or um, taking those deep breaths or just you know, trying to just bring my scent, bring myself to a moment of gratitude and space. Um, but it's something I'm constantly learning because there are times when it is really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that switch can be hard in setting those boundaries, but I think it's as I'm progressing in my career, I'm learning to do that more and more. And I think the self-care is the biggest piece to that really, really connecting to myself and my own needs. Cause they also matter. You know, when we're in a job that we're really giving people, I also have to give something. And if I have nothing to give, then what's the point of it? Because at the end of the day, I'm also giving to my kids, my partner, myself. So I have to have that reservoir of, of giving and support to all the people that also need me and the help that I need and what I need for myself too. Mm, that's such a good point. And people can feel it too. It's kind of like how we always, you know, I was joking before about how kids can feel your anxiety or your energy or whatever. I think oh. in that, you know, talk, I don't know if it's okay for me to use this, like talk therapy or, or in a profession mm-hmm. where you're having to hold space for someone else, like people can feel mm-hmm. it. They can feel if like, you're not, you're not quite there. And then, mm-hmm. and then God forbid, you know, they're like, Oh, like, is it me? Is it something I said? Or is, you know, <laughs> you don't really want to create that. So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. I really like the, like that visual of just closing the laptop or, taking a deep breath and kind of letting just whatever that visual is like wash away, like just washing the day away and kind of moving on. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's been helpful for me. And again, you know, if there are something that's more pressing and needs more attention, then it's calling upon, but can you pick up the boys? I need to deal with something or whatever it is too. So it's just learning to, you know, sort of what your cues are and how much you can sort of handle as well. And how do you take off the one hat, put the next hat on. Okay. I also have to ask then, how do you ensure that you're not playing the role of counselor in all areas of your life with your children, with your partner, with your friends, drinking wine? How do you separate that? I don't know. You're like still figuring it out. Totally catch. So if I totally catch myself, I'm like, oh my God, Lauren. Um, 
I don't even know the answer to that. I think there's, I think a lot of it is, you know, especially like with my kids, sometimes I, you know, you may hear me, I'm raising my voice at my kids on the street or, you know, being really impatient with them and snapping at them. And I'm like, oh my God, like people are going to see me. Shouldn't this counselor be like so much more regulated? Shouldn't Mm. she be able to like tend to her kiddos in a sort of way? And so I've had to do my own work and being like, that's bullshit. Like, I show up how I show up and I, you know, getting rid of that sort of outside peripheral judgment and recognizing that I'm also a human being who can get dysregulated and can snap and feel overwhelmed and stressed and dealing with my anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have friends who will come to me, you know, it's different in the counseling relationship. I'm not here to give advice, right? I'm here to sort of hear your story and share tools and resources and be that sort of objective perspective. When it comes to friends, I can say, break up with that person or <laughs> stop what you're doing because that is so stupid. I can do that, right? I, yes. I, I don't think I would do that to my clients. Maybe if I had a different yeah. relationship, but yes, no, definitely. Oh my gosh. It, is, so it is. It's so true. And they're like, wait, no, you're supposed to just listen. You're like, no, no, this is friend zone. <laughs> you're not paying me. <laughs> absolutely right if you want to come book a session that's a different story but yeah you're like and I also won't be able to take you but (laughs) absolutely so I can't actually but yeah oh my goodness okay so mental health or metrescence can we let's go there I want to hear like let's talk more about that it's a word that I know of perhaps because of the space I am in people I follow and how Mm -hmm. excited I am about all of this and how this is becoming more of a conversation so you describe metrescence as that um, the change that a, a person goes mm-hmm. through when they become a parent, the, you know, mind, body, soul, uh, whatever it is, spirit, everything, basically mm-hmm. everything in your life mm-hmm. changes and you're stepping into a new version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does that, and how do you see that affecting mental health in the perinatal space? Really good question. In so many different ways. I think a lot of it comes down to, oh my gosh, just, just I, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. Yeah. Even expectations on ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we become a mom Let's start or a there. Parent. I like that. Expectations. That's a huge one. Right? Yep. Again, and that was sort of my biggest struggles. I had all these expectations that I would be able to like complete my master's, raise the kiddo, do this, 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 and this. And then when I was hit with it, I was like, oh, geez, why did I decide to do this? Um And, you know, we're not meant to go back to the person we were before. So it's recognizing how has this beautiful transition into motherhood? How has it changed me for the good, for the bad? How do I see the world now? Um, How do I deal with things differently? And when we become a mom, it makes sense that, you know, even like for myself, look at my journey, my anxiety was heightened because I look at, you know, a lot of the times when we're going through, you know, stress or changes, hormonal, physical, the sleep deprivation that we go through, a lot of those are going to affect our, our mental health and affect our nervous system. So if we haven't maybe learned again, those, those tools to sort of help us ride this wave through that, then we're going to be coming into this world of becoming mom being like, what just happened to me? How do I deal with this now? Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's that, uh, you know, like so I said, that expectation piece, like setting, you know, not setting the bar too high so we won't reach and sort of be this perfect person. So there's no such thing as a perfect person, right. Or comparing ourselves to the, you know, the mom down the street who looks perfect on their Instagram or whatnot. Right. Cause again, we all get caught in that trap, but I think that that term just allows us to sit back and like, 
oh yeah, I have gone through a huge transformation and it's okay to have gone through this transformation. And what does this look like now? Mm. Right? What does it look like now? Mm-hmm. Like that transformation forward versus back. It's like how people are starting to get away from, oh, you're, you know, my body has bounced back or I'm right. bouncing back to X, Y, or Z. I think we're starting to all realize, mm, no, it's more of a bounce mm-hmm. forward. And it's not to say that like, there's a lot of people who I think are even more beautiful. And I'm not just saying that in like a, all women are beautiful, like truly like, you know, s- you know, stunning inside and out after they've become a parent because they are just inherently changed physically, yeah. and, like emotionally, everything like that. Um, you talk about the nervous system and I think we hear about that a lot. Like, and I think mm-hmm. most of us have felt that feeling of my nervous system feels fried. That's kind of how it, it mm-hmm. how I experience it in my body. Like it literally yeah. feels like my nerve endings, maybe because I'm like picturing right. like biology 11 or whatever. And it's like, yep. like the, a little, like, the, the, around, yeah. just like, the static, the electricity going. Yeah. yeah. I was also not great in the science world. I really enjoyed science, but was so not good at like memorizing and all that sort of stuff. But I'm picturing like the textbook. And what, so like, what, it, can you talk about what is the nervous system? If you're explaining it to like, yeah. you know, a third grader and like, why is our nervous, like, why do we get like that? <laughs> if could anyone could see me right now, literally my hands look like octopus. Like I've got my it's fingers the, the like dance dancing. Players, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we talk, I talk a lot about it in my practice and it's sort of all over the nervous system. So basically we can look at the nervous system as like a giant scanner surveillance camera going off in your body. Okay. So it's going through your body and it's surveying everything that's going on. Good things, bad things. And that's the way our nervous system works. There's either good, there's there's the good, there's the calm, there's the relax, or there's the threat, there's the danger. There can't be the two. That's just how our body works. So what's happening is, you know, again, it's constantly going on. And then when there's moments of dysregulation, or in other words, there's the sympathetic nervous system. Okay, that's where that fight or flight response lives. That's where the anxiety lives. That's where this... Oh, the jittering, the stress, there's that, that shortness of breath. Um, the, that's kind of what the, you know, the sympathetic nervous system, that's sort of when we're in that heightened state. Okay. Or that what's called the dysregulated state. Our hope of course, is to be in this calm state, right? And we can kind of, when things are good, when the, you know, the surveillance is recognizing, okay, things are good. There's no threat against us, but we're not always going to be like that, right? And that's kind of what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. So you have the sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, response, the anxiety, and then the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that calm, the regulated state, okay? So I think there's a couple of things is, is looking at anxiety of there are some aspects to anxiety that is going to be there, right? There's going to be some normalcy to anxiety, but people always say, well, how do I know if it's not normal? What does that look like? And I say, if it's becoming a, a problem to you, if that anxiety is causing you to sort of take away from what you value in your life, okay? So maybe it's a new mom who's constantly checking the camera all night long, therefore causing you not to sleep and you're excessively worrying about your kiddo that's really impending on your life, right? That's really taking away from so many different aspects of how you probably want to show up as a parent. So yeah, probably not normal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, checking the stove billions of times before we leave the house or making sure we're going around around the house at night, making sure all the lights are off or all the windows are closed, right? Probably not normal. 
Okay. So that's kind of what the, that anxiety or that, that, that threat would be right. Our nervous system's like danger, danger, danger. I'm in threat. So then we kind of look at, you know, then how do we tend to this nervous system, right? Like, how do I move out of this, this threat response? I, we, I don't think we, not all of us want to be always living in that, that fight or flight, that threat, because it's not fun. It's exhausting. It's tiring. But what happens is so, so often if we're continuing living in that, that threat zone and we're not coming back, we're just like piling onto that anxiety and our world is going to become really, really small. We're going to start avoiding things that we would normally avoid doing, you know, not doing things you wouldn't do. And that's kind of, again, where I say that's the, not the normal piece. Um, so we look at ways to then, then how do we tend to the nervous system? So to say, how do we build that parasympathetic nervous system? And I kind of break it up into the two different ways. I look at it as the preventative ways and the intervention ways. Okay. So let's start with preventative. So one of the best ways to tend to our parasympathetic nervous system is what I call our pillars of our mental health. I think you, you and I have sort of chatted a bit about this, but those are movement, connection, nourishment, and sleep. And I am very cautious about using the word diet and exercise because it's more than that. It's not just going and doing, you know, an hour long sweat. 10 times a week or only eating, you know, steamed vegetables and broccoli. There's so much more to that. There's Lauren, vitamins. That's, that's there's me. Oh. That's me right now. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm only eating vegetables and I, I sweat 10 times a week. Okay. Love it. Love <laughs> Maybe it. Yeah. 10 times in the last year. <laughs> and I think I had one piece of broccoli last month. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> um, you know, you know, water consu- consumption yeah. as well. Um, it can be, gosh, it can be anything walking your kiddos to school, going for a walk, um, going for a run, sure. Doing a yoga class, um, doing some stretching. There's so many forms to movement as well. Again, also depends kind of where we're at in our, in our life as well. What, what sort of time we have. Right. Um, so yeah, we sort of look at these pillars of being self-care. I think one thing I like to mention about self-care is it's going to be unique to you. Okay. It's whatever feeds your mind, your body, and your soul. There's also lots of inequities to self-care. There's time and there's none of us have all the time and none of us has all the money. So we've got to get creative with it as well. Self-care can absolutely involve your kiddos. I think I was sharing with you the other week. I've learned that some of the mornings when my husband can take my youngest to school and I have my oldest waiting for kindergarten, I'll pop them in the front of the tablet and I'll get 20 minutes doing like Pilates or a bar or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, this is new, but this works. If I can get 20 minutes in, cool you know, walking your kiddo as well, right? We can be creative with that. So, okay, that was sort of a segue. But back to like the pillars of our mental health. So the more we are tuning into these and giving space in a realistic way, I'm not expecting a mom to go out for runs every day or sleep through the night or go out with their girlfriends all the time because like, let's be real, right? So a lot of my work is we're kind of going through these four pillars and seeing if there's an approachable way. Is there a little little minute changes we can do? Is it... Um, you know, asking your partner or family or whoever it is to take baby for 10 minutes, you can just go have a shower or you can go for a walk by yourself, right? There's many different things we can do, but I kind of look at these pillars as the preventative work. I kind of say that it's, we're filling up that emotional reservoir, so to say. So the more we're filling it up, then when we are in those heightened moments, we kind of have something to pull on. We already have that sort of baseline there that has been regulating our nervous system all along. Okay, so that's kind of like the the preventative work for the parasympathetic nervous system. Does that make sense so far? Are you with yes. me? Movement, okay. connection, nourishment. What was the first? And sleep. 
oh yes sleep uh what are you sleep right again (laughs) when we talk about sleep with a new mom we're going to be really realistic with it right i'm not expecting you to go sleep i don't even sleep 10 hours a night right but it's there there's some issues there some things that we can talk about there's some resources there Uh, we just sort of getting a really great understanding of of where they're at and it's going to change throughout life because that's what happens when our kiddos get older yeah i actually have more time now to do the different things i didn't when i was you know a fresh new mom i didn't have all the the you know the time in the world or whatnot right so things change it does get easier in a different way as our kiddos get older okay so then we look at the intervention type way and those are things that we really want to show our nervous system we're safe so these are i'm talking about when we're in the moment when we are having like stepping on all the toys, all we see is clutter, their annoying sounds are going off from the kids, they're screaming at you, you've got demands, you've got this, that, when you're just like, your nervous system is probably feeling pretty fried, like you said, right? When maybe we're more snappy, we're a bit more irritable, just everything is just, it's a lot on us. So we want to find really quick tools to regulate our nervous system. Now, one of the best ways to actually regulate our nervous system is through breath work. So for those that have done yoga, I'm sure you're familiar with breath work, but it's really simple. Again, to not get too technical, it's breathing in maybe for four beats in through our nose and breathing out longer through our mouth. So maybe six beats. Doing that cycle is actually signaling to our nervous system, signaling to that surveillance camera, like, hey, you're actually safe. You're not in a threatened state right now. You're not being chased by a bear. Your kids are just kind of yelling at you. You're okay, right? So we need to actually get into that regulated state, sort of bringing that breath work to a to a more controlled state to then do the tools that I'm sure we we actually probably all know about, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I need to just you know shut things off for a little bit, or you know ask for some help, or go for a walk, whatever it is, right? But we can't start figuring that out until we actually. I know I hate the word, but calm down in that sense, right? Yeah, Taylor Swift, she said it. Right, absolutely. And so, you know, so there's also different little, you know, quick things for breath work too. Um, And there's things, these skills, we can also teach our kiddos. I think what's kind of cool, like from when we were growing up versus like our kids, there was no such talk about, you know, regulation, emotion regulation or mental health or anxiety, right? It was kind of like, oh, you go to therapy. Oh, you're anxious. Like, don't talk Mm. about that, right? Whereas now, like these kiddos have a really great chance of learning all these skills. And so like my kiddos will come home. We've got stuff on our fridge about like, you know, what can you control? Like when you're feeling tense, what can you do? Um, And so some things that we taught our kids, again, it doesn't work all the time. I'm not on this platform (laughs) saying my kids are regular. They're so great because, ooh, we have our moments. Again, if you've seen me on the street, you probably know. But um, (laughs) tracing your fingers. So every time you breathe, you breathe in when you go up and then down and then in. And then down. And that's a really great one. Another one again I to teach you. I love that. Right? I'm going to do yeah. that myself. Yeah, I know. It's great because it's sort of that tactile touch as well, which is another form way to regulate our system. Um, another one is um, pretend to smell a, you know, a bouquet of flowers through your nose and then blow it through a straw. So again, that, you know, fun little things to teach your kiddos. My other five-year-old likes to do the elevator going up mm. and the elevator going down. So again, we can involve our kiddos. So we have things like breath work, one of the greatest ways to pretend to our nervous system. Other quick skills, um, again, some all about, let's be realistic here. 
um, called somatic self-regulation skills. So those show our nervous system we're safe. So things like an ice pack. I know a lot of people are into doing cold plunges because that's really great for your nervous system. I'm not done one yet. Maybe that's down the road. But if, you know, getting an ice pack or cold cloth, having ice water can goes right to our nervous system, you're safe. It's kind of that shock. Um, mm-hmm. Humming, swinging, swaying, kind of things that we would actually do to soothe our baby is what we would also do to soothe our nervous system. And you don't need to do all these. Just find one that works yeah. for you. One yeah. that kind of lands with you. Experiment, I like to say. Um, oh, cool. Doing these kind of more so in the preventative state as well can be helpful. So when you are dysregulated, you your body's going to have that muscle memory and be like, oh, yeah, like that breath work really helps me to feel connected. Right. I'm a, I can sort of be in that space too. Mm. Okay. The cold water. I feel like I've heard it on a couple other podcasts. What is it? Mm-hmm. The Does it hit? It, what, is it the vagus nerve or something? Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Vagus nerve is, okay. I don't know tons about the vagus nerve. Yeah, it's yeah. something that, but it's basically the longest running nerve in our nervous system. And it's the straight shot to our nervous system, to the parasympathetic nervous system. So the more we're tending to the vagus nerve, then the more regulated we'll be. Um, and what is it? I remember it's, I think it's like laughter and that with your lips and cold. I think are one of the top three to sort of regulate or heighten the, you know, call on the, the vagus nerve. So yeah, a lot of people really into cold plunging. And I think there's something there for it. I remember when I was pregnant with my first, well, and my second, I was extremely sick and like so nauseous. And I was so terrified to like drive, go anywhere because I was fucking throw up or just, just that, just nauseous all the time. I remember the one thing that made me kind of get through it was ice cold water. Mm-hmm. And I just figured, oh, okay, whatever it is. But now that I actually know sort of the science behind it, I'm like, that's what helped me with my anxiety through it. Because when I had that ice cold water, it told my, my nervous system, like, you're actually safe right now. So what if you throw up, right? Who cares? Whatever. You've got a, you got a little doggy bag there you can throw up, right? So allow yeah. me to kind of be like, it's not going to be the end of the world. And I also didn't throw up that much. So it wasn't, I was able to calm my nervous system, then to bring in the tools of, okay, what truth do I have? What evidence do I actually have to support this potentially irrational thought? That is so interesting. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting, the stuff that you experience when you're pregnant or the things that you're told that you should or shouldn't do when you're pregnant and how sometimes, sometimes I'm like, okay, so if you're not supposed to have like high amounts of mercury or like all these things, I'm like, then why when you're not pregnant are we engaging in these practices? Like we all know, at this point in 2023, alcohol, like there is zero right. positive impacts of alcohol. It's okay. It's like, okay to like, to drink and enjoy, but like no longer can we like rest on those like old studies that were like, oh, a glass of red wine a day is going to like keep you healthy. It's like, no, it's right. like, right. Yes. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, just, I find it. Um, yeah. I find it all very, uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it is really interesting. I think, like I sort of said, the more we can sort of tend to our nervous system throughout the day, there's also this new term. I don't know if you've heard the term glimmers before. Have you? No. It's, it's kind of more common. So glimmers, again, there's, there's a lot more science um, to sort of the polyvagal theory. I think that's the theory. I could be wrong here, mm-hmm. but again, especially as a really busy mom going through lots of stimulation and well overwhelming the day glimmers are these pockets of joy, these moments where we can, take a moment and just pause where we can. And again, this sort of relates to sort of the mindfulness, right? So being in the present moment, allowing yourself to say, I'm safe right now. So realistic things. Okay. 
when you have your cup of coffee or tea in the morning, feel the heat, feel that, that, that warm cup in your hand, smell it and taste it. And just allow yourself to just sink into that moment for a couple of seconds and be like, oh yeah, that's right. Or, or, you know, the other day, I think I remember dropping my son off for kindergarten. We had really horrible first starts to kindergarten. I remember driving back and just crying. I saw a rainbow and I was like, oh, that's beautiful. So it's one thing to just cool. That's a rainbow, but it's another to be like, wow, look at that beautiful color. Look at Mm -hmm. that. Like, you know, the, the calm after the storm type of thing I was relating it to. Right. Or even like the trees in our neighborhood, like, oh my gosh, walking around and being like, look at those colors. Like those are beautiful. So allowing ourselves just those little pauses in the day, we all need them. And they're easy things to do. Having your cup of water, right? Getting up from your office and doing a little stretch or a little movement, going to the washroom, opening the door, getting a deep breath of fresh air, right? So that's kind of what a glimmer is. It's those little pauses, those little breaks in the day that um, we can notice a beautiful thing. And that's kind of where that science behind gratitude is, right? Being grateful, you know, writing a couple of things that you're, you're grateful for at the end of the day learning to switch our brain from the negative to the positive. Um, I, I'd like to encourage some of my my clients to write down your successes at the end of the day. And I'm not talking about, they don't have to be big, glamorous things, but like I had my coffee and have to heat it up for the fifth time. And we had to, I finished it after the third time of heating up. Success, yes, right? Yes, yes, huge. Or, you know, yeah, I, I, I applied one of these, you know, these skills today and it was, it was really nice to give myself that, that little break, right? Mm. Um just sort of, again, that, that reframing to that switching to that, that space of gratitude can also be, mm-hmm. can be really helpful. Just sort of regulating ourselves as well. I love that. I've been really trying to, on the glimmers note, I've been really trying to just be more intentional with like the moments where I feel compelled. I feel that pressure, talk about pressure in parenting. Like I feel the pressure to say, like, take a photo or a video in a moment or just not, and just experience mm-hmm. it. Cause I, it's, oh, it's so hard. Like we don't, none of us have like the amount of photos that we have from our childhood. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need the 20,000 photos that are on my camera roll. Like I want like a couple, you know, great moments, but I don't need every glimmer of my children's childhood captured. So -hmm, there's this balance mm -hmm. that I've been trying to find where I'm like, I want to just enjoy it. Like, you know, Addie, my daughter is tickling the six month old baby boy. And like, it's such a cute moment. And I immediately right. want to go reach for my phone, take a video. But there's been a couple of times where I'm like, Ugh, I don't want, I don't want to, I just want to enjoy this moment. And so I am, I'm just like, focusing yeah. more on that. I've even been driving without, as a podcaster, this is funny for me to say, but I've even like had moments where I've just like driven somewhere, you know, 10 minutes, and just not turn anything on and just have oh this gosh, like yes. quiet moment. Like not every moment mm-hmm. has to be productive and like a multitasking mm-hmm. situation. So I really like that mm-hmm. notion that maybe like I was doing it without knowing it was a thing. And so yeah, it gives me permission to like lean into that a bit more because it is preventative, but it's also in those moments where I'm feeling fried that can really ground me. And it's kind mm-hmm. of that intervention that you were talking about as well. Absolutely. I think that's beautiful. Just recognizing kind of what your needs are. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to drive and listen to the podcast, but if if you have stimulation and sounds all day, gosh, your nervous system is probably like, can we just quiet for a bit? Can we just like, just turn things down and just 
be here in our thoughts and notice what's going on. And that's hard to do, right? I think we're in this world of of urgency and we're so used to everything being here and available at our fingertips. And it's very, again, different from like our kids versus now. And just, I think, you know, being that models for our kids as well, like we don't always have to be doing something, right? We don't always have to involve technology Mm. or whatever it is. We can just kind of find other ways to find that joy and happiness or that, that calmness or that those pauses that we all need. So we all need mm-hmm. to give ourselves permission for that as well. Right. Totally. Sort of recognize is my nervous system a little bit out of tune right now? Am I noticing? Yeah. I'm a little bit more irritable today, a little bit more angry. Like those are just the symptoms. That's the top of the iceberg. Once we go underneath the water, like, well, what is that need that you're missing? Are you needing some connection? Are you needing to go move your body? Right. And I've learned, you know, for myself recently, like I've really fallen off the the track of moving my body. And so I'm trying to be, okay, where can I create that time? Right. And being realistic with it as well. No, I'm not going to go for an hour every single day, maybe down the road. Cool. But right now, like if walking my kid out of school for that two kilometers, like then if that's my move and then, okay, enjoy this, like be present in this moment as well. Mm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And so we've talked about prevention and intervention and there's so much. I just love that you're giving such a, such realistic (laughs) tips and things that people can do on their own that are free and accessible. I think accessibility is huge and can be, Mm -hmm. you know, a problem or an opportunity that we have say here in Canada with the resources available. Um, Mm -hmm. Say somebody is, you know, trying all the things what would you say someone should look out for when they're like, okay, I don't know if this is working and you would recommend that they reach out for additional support from somebody else, say like yourself. Right. Right. Well, I think the thing we also need to realize with therapy is that you don't have to be coming to see somebody if you're like huge traumatic and again, trauma subjective. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think if you're realizing, huh, you know, I'm trying all these things or I actually don't know about what is this whole regulation, dysregulation, what is anxiety? If, you know, maybe you're wanting to explore that a little bit more, that's a, that's a great time to reach out. I think anytime you start to think, hmm, what would this be like? That could be your sign to reach out. You know, we don't have to have some big thing. I love it when I have, um, you know, my, my mom's to be, or, you know, new, recently found out they're pregnant or whatnot really early on. There's so much beautiful work we can do to sort of set yourself up throughout your pregnancy. Um, but yeah, it's all about that sort of preventative stuff. And then it's okay if you're kind of at the point of your breaking end, still a great time to come and seek seek support. Mm-hmm. So there's no real right answer mm-hmm. to that. I think it's just your own kind of, you know, recognize like, okay, this is again, where are my values? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, is my world becoming really small right now? Would I need sort of help, you know, and support in different areas? Um, I think that's kind of your sign to go and reach out and explore it and experiment with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that this is not part of the scope and I didn't even warn you about this, but can we talk about dads for a second and the dads that yeah. might be listening and just, you know, parents who sure. don't ad- identify as a mom? Um you know, I think that there's, I personally believe this is my hypothesis based on literally nothing or just a few conversations here and there. But I feel like there is also an opportunity for, you know, non-mom, so say dad parents to explore getting their own support and say finding oh you know, gosh, yeah. mental health support for them as well. Like, what are your thoughts on on that? Or, or what do you know? Oh like, my gosh. 
Absolutely. I think everybody, if they want support, they deserve to have support regardless of gender background, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I actually do have a few dads on my roster as well. And I love it. I think it's cool to get their perspective um, and, and sort of hear their story and their walk as well. I think, again, I'm seeing, I think we're seeing more, you know, men sort of come into the counseling world as well, sort of breaking down that that stigma of mental health. And there's lots of really, again, amazing therapists out there that would maybe specialize more in, you know, and um health for men and whatnot as well but absolutely there's no it's not just for you know for one gender anybody can can come to come to counseling get the support if they need it yeah good i i so dad's listening and it's kind of cool when i look at the stats i'm like yes there's a decent amount of men that listen to this show which Love is it. really cool and i think cool. that's so awesome and like proactive and you know there is an interest there's a different level of Oh, this is a huge, huge generalization, but just a different level of interest and engagement, it seems like, in our generation mm. of our, you know, dads. Okay, Lauren, so this has been so incredible, so helpful. Now I have to ask you, I'm going to turn the table back on you. What is something that you, as a mom, as a business owner, somebody who's come from the world of being, you know, um, in an organization to now your own boss, mm. I don't even know what you're going to say, but what's something that you're still trying to figure out? So many things. I think... Probably, again, that sort of dance of being a mom and a professional and a partner. And I think sort of intertwined with where do I take care of myself and what does that look like? I think it just, and it's pivoting and changing. There's lots of things I'm still trying to figure out along that and just making sure, yeah, like my needs are also met and my partners and my kids and, and my clients. Um, so that's a, there's a lot I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah. I mean, as as we all are, that's great. And I like what you said, it's a dance, like. You're not figuring mm-hmm. out one thing and then that's it for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, yeah. It's Actually, it was, I remember flow. it was a year or so ago. I don't know if you're familiar with the birth papaya, Sarah Landry. Yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, so love her. She actually talked about, and you know, there's so much perspective of life being a balance. Life is a balance. But when we think of balance, everything is equal, which I, I just don't think it is. So she gave, offered this perspective of life as a dance, the sort of ebb and flow. And just gives you more, again, sort of that grace and compassion to sort of move freely a bit more through through life, which I I've really held on to that. I love that. I don't have it all figured out though. Hey, that's the that's the wink in the name of this show. All figured out. Wink. I know. Wink. There ain't yeah, there ain't no figuring it out. <laughs> and the most important part, where can everyone find you? I feel like so many will fall in love with you. Those especially in BC who could reach out for you oh. to you for your services. Where can they find you? How might they work with you? Okay. Well, a few things start with, so my website is just laurenchampincounseling.com. I have Mm -hmm. Instagram, which I will admit is very scarce. I am trying to add more to my Instagram, but we'll get there. Just uh, at Lauren Champion Counseling. So that's sort of the easiest way to find me. Um, I also work at a clinic two days a week called Women's Mental Health. I have to give them a plug because they're incredible. Lisa Cavi has done a wonderful work. We have a group of, I think, about 16 counselors, um, clinical counselors, um, social workers, all different backgrounds, all different offerings. Um, they also have a few student counselors. So if funds are a barrier, because we all know counseling can be expensive, um, she does have a few student therapists who are all really well trained, who have supervisors. So that's one great kind of suggestion there, too, if people are looking for a counselor and um you know, there's a barrier with with finances. That's a great way of, you know, looking at a student counselor as well. 
Um, another just sort of in general for people to find counselors, psychology, uh, BC is a great hub to go in and you can go and sort of filter, you know, if you're wanting in-person virtual sort of the background, whatnot, you can filter that. Um, but yeah, like a, f- a few things I offer, um, a free 20 minute consultation. And so that's really important for both ends, both as the potential client coming in and myself as the counselor for us to get to know each other, to make sure it's a good fit. I do have boundaries of competence in my practice, which means there's certain areas that I won't work in. I'm not educated enough. Um, mm-hmm. And if those people are wanting that, then I will do my very best to, you know, connect them with somebody that is more um, can able to provide the support they deserve. So it's kind of like a pre-interview, I like to say on both ends, making sure we're a good fit and then we can move forward with that. Um, so that's one thing that I would really encourage um, folks to, to reach out to any sort of therapist just to ask for that consultation as well. I'm also proudly with First Nations Health Authority. So that means I have, um, you know, provide culturally safe and sound um, support to the Indigenous folks. So they offer free therapy so that, you know, the client doesn't pay for it. It's all covered through First Nations Health Authority as well. So that's another option too for those out there, um, those Indigenous folks looking for a therapist as well. Um, you can look through First Nations Health Authority. They also have a list of providers as well. But yes, I am a FNHA provider. And you might see me walking around the neighborhood too. You can add a mom group. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's so incredible, the work you do with the Indigenous community. Um, So thank you for doing that work. So important. And thank you for coming on and sharing all your tips. It was so practical and so helpful. And just even thinking about things from the preventative to intervention, like I actually, Mm -hmm. as the, you know, as a client or, you know, as somebody who would be on the other end of this, I'm like, oh, that's such a helpful way for me, even, you know, myself to look at how I'm supporting my own mental health. Okay. Is this a preventative That's action right. or is this an inter, is this an intervention and that it doesn't have to be like intervention can be breathing. It's not like you're not jumping to medication, which I'm also a proponent of, um, but that there's so many different options. So I love that. Thank you, Lauren, so much. Thank you for having me here. It was really, really fun. This is my first podcast. So thank you for having me. Hey, at the same time. You wouldn't even know you were incredible. I think you should be doing a lot more of these and um, you just have so much to, so much wisdom to share and just in such an approachable way. Like you're just in the best way possible, such a normal human being who's living it as well. I am am just a normal human being going through the same (laughs) things that we're all going through. (laughs) Thank you for listening. You can access all resources mentioned in this episode via my website, andreabar.com slash podcast. And let's chat on Instagram. I'm at Andrea Bar Coaching, and I reply to every DM I get. If you loved this episode, don't forget to quickly hit that button on your podcast app to give me a five-star rating and drop in a review. It would truly mean the world. And if you're like me and love to share things that you love, send this episode to a friend who you think would appreciate this topic. Thanks again for listening, and I'll chat with you next week.